They say plants like music. Yeah, no, like really, they, they respond to the vibrations of it, which means that this playlist you're listening to, the plants are too. You know what else plants like? Organic soil from miracle Grow. It's made with all the best stuff like wood fiber and compost. Plus, it's Omri certified organic, which officially means it's made with superior ingredients. And when you give your plants the stuff that makes them happy, they won't judge you on your iffy playlist. Hear that, plants? So go ahead and give them miracle Grow. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. Welcome to The Megan Kelly Show, your home for open, honest, and provocative conversations. Megan Kelly, welcome to the Megan Kelly Show. Happy Monday. We have a ton to get to today, including a deep dive into the Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial next hour with two of my favorites, Vinnie Politan of Court TV and Mark Garagos, both of whom have been following it really closely. And it's about to get very interesting because she's she's expected to take the stand tomorrow. And keep in mind, we've only heard his side of the case so far. Right. So we're going to hear her side and we're going to go in depth on what to expect because we took a deep dive into what happened over in that UK, that British court where she won. She was um, accused of of lying about his alleged abuse there. And um, she won the case. It was a defamation case. In any event, we're going to we're going to give you coverage. You probably aren't going to hear any police else today. So stay tuned for that. Uh, OK, first up, though, did you stay up late Saturday night to watch the press celebrate the press? At the White House Correspondents' Dinner, my executive producer, Steve Krakauer, sent us a text at like 1030 on Saturday night, like, ha did you see how Biden's doing humor? I'm like, are you sitting at home watching? <laughs> are you sitting at home watching this thing? Are you the one? <laughs> he has a new baby, so it's, it's not his fault. He can't go out. <laughs> uh, 2,500 people in a D.C. ballroom handing out awards to themselves. <laughs> Apparently no longer too concerned about COVID protocols. Joe Biden was even there and actually did some stand up or tried to. We've got the highlights and the lowlights with some of our favorites. The hosts of the Ruthless podcast are back with me today. They say plants like music. Yeah, no, like really, they they respond to the vibrations of it, which means that this playlist you're listening to, the plants are too. You know what else plants like? Organic soil from miracle Grow. It's made with all the best stuff like wood fiber and compost. Plus, it's Omri certified organic, which officially means it's made with superior ingredients. And when you give your plants the stuff that makes them happy, they won't judge you on your iffy playlist. Hear that, plants? So go ahead and give them miracle Grow. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. 
Joining me now to discuss it all, Michael Duncan, Josh Holmes, and the man known to his Twitter minions as Comfortably Smug. Welcome back, guys. Hey, great to be here. Good to be back. Yeah. So were you like Steve, grilled, like riveted to your television at home Saturday night, <laughs> taking Not down every word? No, no, <laughs> not even a little bit. The funny thing is, it's become such an unbelievably narcissistic, incredibly. Yes. I mean, like, I don't even know how to wrap my mind around this. Right? They make you triple mask and double and double vax for like the better part of two years, and then all of a sudden, yeah, it's all good, right? We need twenty five hundred people in a ballroom to celebrate ourselves. Yeah, why not? COVID's over, right? Or wait, is it over? Wait, I have to check my memo. Over, not over, depends. Immigrants, who are we talking about? <laughs> it's like they can't get the story straight. <laughs> it's incredible. And, but, you know, the, here's the thing that, that really bothers me about it. And maybe this, did, like 10 years ago, I used to go to these things. And maybe they weren't as bad, that I don't, or maybe they were, and I was just sort of like wrapped up in it. But now if you look at it, like they celebrate each other as though that they're like movie stars. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And yeah. they're all like, they're all decked out, except they're all like just dorks. Yeah. You know nerd what I mean? Prom. They call right. it nerd prom. <laughs> I, I guess they, they do. And they, and, but they talk about it as though it's like, oh, this big celebration and like red carpets and stuff like who the hell wants to see any of these people on a red carpet? Like, yeah, yeah thanks so much for the 700 words daily. <laughs> so CNN treated this like it was the State of the Union address, like the big run up to it was covered. They had full panel coverage, CNN team coverage of the White House Correspondents Dinner. Um, the, the brilliant Debbie Murphy, Canadian Debbie, has assisted in putting together a little montage of some of the pre-gaming that went on on CNN prior to this event. Watch this. But these are live pictures right now. That people enjoy. I don't know if this is the salad or the dessert portion of the meal. <laughs> uh, it is the wine portion of the meal, which is a very important portion tonight. Yes, I do see that on the table right there. It's kind of exciting, though. You know, everyone okay. looks great there. We're just trying to give people the play-by-play of every minute. I don't know what's going on there. Is it an ascot <laughs> on the outside, Scott? I don't know. It's like a tie and an ascot, a tascot. Mm-hmm. It's a merger between the two. See, sorry, you can see Trevor Noah there. This is live pictures right now. Trevor Noah hobnobbing with White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki just a little bit prior to when he will be delivering jokes. I did not mean to interrupt. Not me. at all. It's- How would you describe Joe Biden comedy? Well, he's great in one-on-one setting. This isn't one-on-one. <laughs> 3,000 to one. I was kind of burying the lead. <laughs> oh, my God. Wow. You guys. Wow. Can, can you think of anything that needs play-by-play commentary less <laughs> than a White House correspondence dinner? I mean, just filling all that dead air. You, know, you almost feel bad. Being in this line of work now, Megan, I almost kind of feel bad for him having to fill all that that time, that empty air. Yes. Like people are they're eating appetizers and you got to make it sound interesting. Once you're out there, you're dead. The, the, the no had to come when the CNN bosses went to them and said, here's what we'd like you to do. It needed to be shut <laughs> yeah. down before it ever started. I mean, the, the whole thing and even CNN doing like a play by play of it just makes it so conceited of, of these journalists just celebrating themselves depicting themselves as war heroes and the grotesqueness of it all. Well, I mean, you always see, as always at these events, the help is wearing masks and then all the stars and celebrities. Oh, they're too good for masks. Except of none of them are stars and celebrities. That's, that's what gets That's me. what makes it even worse. Yeah, exactly. I guess we had Kardashian and Pete, which is basically like every journo took a selfie with over the over the weekend. Right. Yeah. But, then, but then they set the whole thing up as this is some grand event. Like, I, can you imagine doing color commentary on top of it? And you're like, you're looking now live at, well, nothing you want to look at. 
I mean, it really it, it, it is like the Hunger Games or something. You're seeing all these people in D.C., you know, celebrating themselves. Right. And Joe Biden even laughing at a joke about how everything's getting more expensive for Americans, how it's getting harder to afford yeah. food pop, pop, and pop, gas. Pop, 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 pop. And it's yes. the funniest thing in the world for them. I think we have and that. Every, Do we have that? It's not like they haven't put American people through two years of if yeah. they're lucky if they have maintained a job. They're having to be masked up. Their kids are having to be masked up. It's insane. Here, listen, we have the the Trevor joke about inflation and Joe Biden yucking it up. He thinks he finds inflation hilarious. Watch. Ever since you've come into office, things are really looking up. You know, gas is up, rent is up, food is up, everything. <laughs> no, it really has been a tough first year for you, Mr. President. OK, I get it. You know, be a good sport you know, and laugh and all. But. The, the, the fact is people are really hurting. And the, just there was a poll out just, I think, today or yesterday showing it was at 94 percent of the American people say they're either concerned or disturbed um, about inflation right now. So as the president who unleashed these policies on us, you're going to have to be a little careful. Yeah. You know, here's the thing. I love a good roast. Right. I mean, I yeah. think all of us do. Megan, I know you love a good roast. I mean, yeah. like comedy being comedy again. I love that idea. And I love the fact that you can roast the president of the United States sitting next to him. But these are the same people who enforce the no comedy a- absolute deadlock on everything else in American culture. Yep. Right. That's right. right. Nothing is funny unless they're doing it with themselves. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the one joke that Joe Biden did, which I actually appreciated, was when he came in, he was like, it's nice to be in a room with uh, people who have a lower approval rating than me <laughs> talking about the media, that kills. which that I really like. That was a like. good line. That was I a like good line. That. But how about this? And speaking of the self-congratulatory you know, tone of it all, Trevor Noah, he actually did a decent job in the, I think, in the overall. I expected him to be far more partisan and kind of unfortunate, but uh, I have to say he wasn't. Um, he, of course, ended it by touting how important the press is in response to which they they got all teary eyed and excited out there that, you know, Trevor Noah had something nice to say about them. Here's it in part sound by eight. I really hope you all remember what the real purpose of this evening is. Yes, it's fun. Yes, we dress nice. Yes, the people eat, they drink, we have fun. But the reason we're here is to honor and celebrate the fourth estates and what you stand for, what you stand for an additional check and balance that holds power to account and gives voice to those who otherwise wouldn't have one. Do they? That group <laughs> it's like, right now? Yeah, we know why we're here. We, we hold Republicans accountable. That's why we're here, right? <laughs> right. right. Yeah, we, we dox random people on the internet. Yeah, That's yeah. our yes. job. That's how we hold the powerful to account. Cue, cue <laughs> the national anthem right. playing quietly underneath the, the Taylor Lorenz. <laughs> yes. yes. It's like, uh, you know, journalism is supposed to be about comforting the afflicted and afflicting the comfortable and right there he says you know it's up to us to hold the people in power to account when in that room it it was less of a bald and more of just buddies hanging out yeah it was the white house press corps and the white house press just hanging out like the the only difference is they're wearing tuxedos otherwise it's the same as as business as usual it's like are you are you looking at peter ducey because outside of that one guy there isn't anybody in the white house press corps doing that right now Anybody. What happened? Was fearless Maggie Haberman. Remember fearless Maggie Haberman. Oh, mm. and, you know, actually, Trevor Noah made a joke about how the fact checker over at CNN um, and that I think it was the Washington Post went totally silent. They like like they're gone. What happened to them? The, there was an article, I think it was in Politico last week 
that was basically like, oh, well, the briefing room now, it's so boring because, you yes. know, Biden's such a normal president. And she's so and Saki. good. Yeah, Saki's so, so good. And Saki's just so good. You know, we're not going to get any book deals. This is a ho-hum assignment now. <laughs> you know? Well, that's it's true. Like they're not going to get book deals. That's an indictment on the press of, of that's what their mission was, is they wanted they loved having Trump there because they could make careers off of trying to attack him getting book deals of how they're like the final guardian of democracy left in America. Right. And in the absence of them being able to create their careers off of that, they have no, they're like, what are we supposed to do? What, our job? That's crazy. Oh, no. Oh, you know the answer. You guys know the answer. So what did the New York Times do on Sunday? A three-part series, now that they don't have Trump to kick around anymore, on Tucker Carlson. Yeah. I don't know, face of white surprise, whatever they say. They, they don't get it. They're outraged. That Tucker is focusing on class distinctions. <laughs> right. You used to care about that too, Democrats, press corps. Uh, and of course, they just style it all as, oh, he's a racist and he he issues sort of racist tropes. I'm like, oh, OK, what 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 are they? Let's see. Oh, well, he's concerned about immigration. Oh, OK. <laughs> I guess every Republican is a racist then. Right. And on it goes like the examples that they provided were not moving. And they had something like nine reporters on him watching his show for like twelve hundred hours. Meanwhile, somebody's pointing out online. What what if they had done this on Hunter Biden? Wouldn't that have been like, couldn't that have been done? Why Tucker? Yeah, no, there's no news value in, in the people who are actually in charge. It's, it's the people who are talking about the other things that everybody's concerned about outside of the the little sort of urban epicenters that all of these people live. But you yeah. even you even made a cameo uh, in this piece, Megan, as is providing a platform for all of us uh, sort of. Yeah, under I'm a platformer. I'm definitely a platformer. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. It's like we used to call that journalism. Right. I remember when, yeah. when we when I uh, when I interviewed Alex Jones, they, they they lost their minds in the press at CNN and others. By the way, he'd been on CNN. OK, so they lost their minds. And uh, I was pointing out at the time, I'm like, do you realize Diane Sawyer interviewed Jeffrey Dahmer? OK, Alex Jones <laughs> is very controversial, but he didn't eat anybody like <laughs> nobody's in the, in the freezer that we know about seriously she interviewed charles manson like could you stop with your platforming nonsense because we call it journalism you interview good guys bad guys controversial people other people it's what we do you you talk to them and you figure out their story and then you let the audience figure out how they feel about that person Totally. But don't you feel like, I mean, I just pick up this new, I know exactly what I'm going to be able to read here when I picked up this story and started yeah. working my way through it. And I do it because it sort of enrages me and I, I like that feeling from time to time. <laughs> so, uh, but I pick it up. Okay, Johnny it, Depp. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, I have a better wife than uh, Johnny Depp. Um, <laughs> but, but, but like the way that it's constructed, it, it's like journalists going to the zoo. Right. Or like a foreign exchange program where every single observation that they're making about Tucker, about his world, about it's like, oh, look through, peer through the glass and look at this list of horribles that we can't possibly identify with. Right. I right. mean, it's just like all their coverage is so predictable. They don't get it. They, they don't. And like Glenn Greenwald was tweeting this out, but it was my first reaction, too, which is who is this for? The people who read yeah. The New York Times are almost 100 percent liberal. Like virtually everyone who reads it self-identifies as liberal. They already hate Tucker. They hate Fox. They hate conservative media. They don't consume it. They, they already think it's all racist and blah, blah. We've heard it a million times. And the people who 
don't believe that, right, who have no problem with Fox News and may or may not watch Tucker, but don't accept that everything he says about the border or Black Lives Matter is racist just because he's not on board with Team Biden's policies. They don't need a New York Times. Like, they're not going to listen to the New York Times and it's nine reporters and they're 1,200 hours watching Tucker. So who's this for? I mean, it's it's for themselves, right? They it's 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 two things. I think. I think number one is preaching to the choir, which is the only thing that they're capable of doing now these days, uh, is speaking to a very narrow subset of the American population that already agrees with them. And that's the reason why these people subscribe to the New York Times in the first place to be told that they're good people and get pats on the head. And I think mm-hmm. number two, it's gatekeeping, right? I mean, everything mm-hmm. from the White House correspondence dinner and the people in that room they do that for a living, but you know articles like this do as well because they define what you're allowed to talk about mm-hmm. right that's a good and that's point. the most that's the most important thing for, for a lot of these media figures is to like you said we terms like platform where the hell did that come from <laughs> you know platforming or deplatforming and giving giving voice to angry people and all this sort of stuff that was sort of it's 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 risen in the last five years around you know the presidency of donald trump where suddenly, you know, certain conversations were not allowed to be had, right. basically. The right. speed from which an opinion of like a professor at Oberlin has become accepted reality right. and, and, and enforced upon the public has become stunningly fast. Like mm-hmm. it's gone from theory to practice in, in months. Right. Where any crazy idea of w- where the Overton window lies, you know, what is acceptable, what is not acceptable, what's considered disinformation and becomes enforced by by the media. And now we even have a government agency. You know, the Ministry of Truth is going to start deciding right. what people are allowed to <laughs> discuss. And I think a lot of that has to do with uh, particularly the Tucker Carlson piece is the left has become incredibly nervous, not just about this midterm, but in general, where for the for years, their message of basic neoliberalism is, listen, you know, if we have open borders, everyone's going to be fine. All you coal miners are going to learn to code. We're all going to drive flying electric cars. Right. And, and, and that's, we'll, that's and, just how it's going right. to be. We'll get solar panels from China. And none of it has worked. Everything mm-hmm. has gotten a lot worse, especially for working class people. The same group who the New York Times is terrified might start listening to conservatives. So they have to say, listen, you're not allowed to listen to this guy's show. He's addressing you know, your concerns. He's addressing what matters to you when this administration is laughing in your face about inflation. You're not allowed to listen to him. But they want to signal to any person who gets the idea of, wow, maybe he does speak for me, that if he speaks for you, then you're a white supremacist. You're right. Yeah, yeah, you're a racist. That's right. And, they and I also think yeah. it makes them feel better. Like Tucker's hugely successful. Tucker's got the number one show in cable news right now. He's powerful in that way. You know, in conservative circles, he's powerful. And he's watched by more Democrats than any other show on cable. Yeah. But that's just because nobody else has ratings. <laughs> um, so anyway, so but he's powerful. OK, so it makes them feel better to say, OK, he's horrible. He's powerful, but he's horrible. He's horrible. No decent person would ever consume that show. So our side has the moral high ground. He may be doing very well in terms of the numbers. People may be flocking to him, but those are bad people. Our people are good. We're on the side of goodness and light. And it's the same reason why so many of them can't let go of January 6th. They they are obsessed with it. I mean, they they love to talk about it every day. If there's an inkling of an update, they'd love to cover it. They can't wait until every trial you know goes through they, because it makes them feel like 
This is an albatross around Trump's neck and Ivanka's neck and Eric and Don Jr. and Jared's neck forevermore. And we will never let anybody forget about it. They're the bad people. And we are the good people. We don't care how much success, even if he's going to win, if he runs against Joe Biden, you remember he's bad and we're good. Oh, totally. And, and especially in light of the fact that these are the same people uh, who contributed to bail funds during a summer of rioting. Kamala Harris, yes. you know, invited everyone, please give to this bail fund where recidivists, recidivists yeah. got back out. They committed rapes. They committed murders. There was a summer where cities across this country were set on fire. In New York State, they issued a blanket pardon. Right. They're like, oh, you know, sometimes burning down a building is mostly peaceful. You know, you got to let them go away with that. I think the greatest irony of all this with the with the Tucker Carlson uh, article is that it's all done through this principle of diversity, right? They're protecting diversity. When in all honesty, it's the exact opposite of diversity in every possible way, right? Unless you subscribe to this absolutely specific narrative that the New York Times and the Washington Post conjure up on a day-to-day basis, you are the other, right? You're out and, and you should be canceled. And like, look, I don't agree with everything that Tucker Carlson has to say. I don't suspect that most of our audience agrees with everything that I have to say either. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. But asking the question and having conversations, I would I thought that was the reason we were all here in the first place. Yeah. Right? Unless you want right. to hook yourself up to the hive mind and everybody, <laughs> yeah. everybody has the exact same opinion. Right. But it seems to be like that's what they want. Yeah. They're really, <laughs> you know, with the Ministry of Truth, they're right. really starting to make a play for that. They're like, I think we can make the hive mind happen. Guys. You know, but it's an interesting thing, right? Because I do wonder whether those attacks have really, truly lost all impact right yeah. um 10 years ago that kind of an appease that kind of a piece by the new york times would have hurt i mean i i know at fox news we would have spent a day dealing with the pr people who would have been freaking out about it you know nobody liked the times but they still had a lot of influence and you would not have wanted a piece like that to have come out yeah glenn Today, greenwald pointed this out like, very well eh. when he was like you know this shows how much of a silo the left has put itself inside where you know, there was a time where if the New York Times says this individual is a white supremacist, that used to mean something. Yeah. yeah. Number one, because that term wasn't thrown around every single day for every single person where we're even uh, they, they've been accused Clarence Thomas of being a white supremacist. It's yeah. lost all yeah. meaning of, yes. of the word. And secondly, the New York Times is only preaching to the choir. This doesn't matter. Everyone who 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 reads the New York Times already, you know, their 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 base is people who hate Tucker Carlson. Except, to begin with. except for one thing. Megan, it doesn't matter for people like us or, or you or, or consumers of both of our programs, obviously, but the, their constituency is corporate America in a lot of ways. Right. Mm. And so by putting out a piece like this, they still have a very responsive sector in the most powerful corporations in this country to basically send a memo to all of them that like you don't have you can't have anything to do with this guy. Right. Right. This is controversial. This guy's racist. I mean, if there's a company in America that had a look at it's a Fortune 50 company that had a look at that piece in the New York Times. What are the chances that any of them choose to advertise on his show? Like zero, right? So, so this is all, in, they are talking to themselves, but they're also trying to intimidate commerce in this country to try to move away from any sort of conservative thought or, or basically mm. any thought, right? Because there's a lot of stuff that Tucker's talking about. It's not conservative at all. It's more right. libertarian or, or maybe even left. But to your point, to your point, Holmes, like... It used to be just media matters, sleeping giants, these people who like get behind yeah. the boycotts, right? Yep. People on the far left who organize this stuff through social media and say, you know, 
don't don't you know don't advertise on Tucker Carlson show. But New York Times now is basically mainstreaming this yes. concept yeah. where you know we've seen this and you talk about it Holmes a lot but like how casually we call people racist in this country mm-hmm. now or misogynist yeah. you know and so the new york times you know like you were saying it's basically just like mainstreaming this idea that he must be othered yeah. right that always existed a little bit megan like in the background and people will call for boycotts but you know rarely would you have a publication like this willing to go this far that's such a good point that can I just say a word on Media Matters? So I was their target for years, and still, I still am yeah. one. But when I was at Fox, and they had nothing else to cover because conservative digital media really wasn't a thing yet, right? It wasn't it hadn't exploded in the way it has. So all they had was Fox. Um, they loved to cover me, and they loved to dis- distort what I had actually said into something that was controversial that wasn't. And back then, I was a young anchor, and it bothered me. I was like, this is so. This is so false and this is so dishonest. And like then I understood it was a partisan group and I didn't need to worry about them at all. But when I left NBC uh, and all these left wing publications were writing up, you know, my alleged history of racism, what they did (laughs) was they took a media matters like cheat sheet and they put it in the pages of major newspapers and nightly newscasts without Mm -hmm. any fact checking whatsoever there was one that they pull out sometimes um there's so many that they that they misrepresented but there was one about this young black girl at a pool party outside and she had a tussle with police like they they wound up like putting cuffs on her getting rough with her and i was on the air while it was happening and i said something well she was no angel prior to this because i'd been watching the whole thing live on my show and she had repeatedly disregarded the orders of the cops like they had been telling her to comply she hadn't been complying over and over and over and over whereas a lot of other people had been complying with police orders and they didn't get into a tussle with cops well it was like you know blaming the victim or something i guess she was black a black young girl she, she was no angel because of her skin color, I guess the, the implication is people run with that. They run with like as an example of like this is a so I, of course, am in a position of like I'm very skeptical whenever they throw this label on anybody because I know how they weaponize race. They weaponize it to try to discredit you if you're saying something that goes against their preferred narratives. And that's still the model, the, the the media matters cheat sheet model. I mean, if you go back and you read that that story on the libs of TikTok. In the Washington Post, oh yeah, it's basically a rubric written by the by Media Matters. Yes, yeah, that, and she cites Media what? Matters. She's, right. She cites them openly. And, right, and that's the thing is a, a lot of journalism. I mean, journalism basically dead at this point in the country. There's no actual investigation. There's there's no one, uh, no journalists out there trying to hold power to account. They're all friends with the White House press corps. They're all you know on the same team essentially yeah they're outsourcing their job to a liberal advocacy so, group. so media matters is <laughs> yeah. like okay we'll do the journalism for you here's what you copy paste you put in your article um some of them aside it was pretty fine this past weekend you had a person from media matters uh tweeting about how uh we need president biden needs to forgive all student loan debt <laughs> saying that they are being crushed under the weight of student loan debt and then someone pulled up because media matters is a non-profit group right someone pulled up uh her income and media matters pays her 180,000 a year <laughs> yeah oh my it's God. all there on the 990 form megan they're like why aren't taxpayers <laughs> paying for my education i make 180,000. i can it can we talk about the student debt thing i'm horrified by this this is yeah. like this is infuriating i was talking to there's a gal who comes and does my hair a couple of days a week because i can't make it look like this on my own boys and um she doesn't make a lot of money and i was 
explaining to her, we were talking about, you know, what Biden's saying now about student debt. And basically I'm saying I'm looking at this woman who works so hard and I'm saying what they want is for you to pay off the student loans of people who are now potentially doctors and lawyers and any individual, so long as they are making less than one hundred fifty thousand dollars a year or a couple, so long as they're making less than three hundred thousand dollars a year. That's what Joe Biden just said. Those are the modifications he's considering imposing, limiting the payback or the forgiveness to couples who make over or under three hundred thousand dollars a year combined. That's insane, right? Like how on earth? This is a reverse Robin Hood, right, where we take from the working class and we give to the rich. And the only mm-hmm. limiting things he's considering are that one hundred and fifty thousand or three hundred thousand for couples. And maybe not even certainly, maybe if you went to law school or med school, you won't be a candidate to have your debt forgiven, forgiven, which basically means transferred to, to other people. Is this this is madness? So so the, what's very interesting when you look at this is they're trying to make it an argument saying that we're we're helping lower income people here. Right. They They say that these are people who are suffering under under this debt. But the people who are affected by this are, are inherently college educated individuals. These are people who are already statistically going to be in a higher income bracket. This is yes. not helping lower income bracket individuals well, who didn't attend college and don't have the college debt to begin with. But those are the individuals that are going to be paying for it. It makes no sense. Brookings did a study on this, right? And the people who are likely to benefit are more likely to be white, obviously more likely to be higher educated and more likely to be higher income than your base population at large. I mean, why is this the civil rights? Well, I mean, the thing that really offends me about this whole policy isn't isn't just the the you know getting rid of the debt, right? I mean, these borrowers were wrong. Yeah, they were 18 years old, you know? So there's a little bit of sympathy I have for those people. What I don't understand is how you could propose this huge program to basically bail out the student loan industry with no reform. We're not going to reform yeah, universities no cost or tenure or or the you're not going to bend the cost curve of college at all. We're just going to bail out universities that are robbing th- this next generation of income. I mean, it's absurd. With their billion dollar endowment. Yeah, why am I not seizing the endowment <laughs> that's, to that pay for be, this? That should be step so, one. Yeah. The, so you guys, you're the perfect person to ask this of, right? So you are your DC insiders, your swamp creatures. You know how it works there. So is this all about improving his numbers with young voters, which are cratering by 20 points? Because I look at this, uh, Gallup just did a poll and no one gives a shit about this. So I'm like, (laughs) who is he trying to curry favor with? This is what Gallup uh, says. There was an article in National Review on this. They ask people frequently what they believe is the most important problem facing the country today. According to the Gallup analyst Justin McCarthy, the pollster is, quote, unable to report the percentage of Americans who have mentioned student debt or student debt cancellation because it hasn't garnered enough mention to do so. They go on. Gallup has conducted four polls on the question and just one person said this is the most important facing problem facing the nation. No one's um, no one care. Like no one's it doesn't matter enough for them to even respond no, so to Gallup. It, it, so it, it's it is about politics. But it's even worse than you think. It, it's not that students are somehow totally in favor. Younger Americans are totally in favor of this. It's actually been a, a, a cottage industry that's been stood up on the left and paid for by billionaire leftists that you know employ all these make work fail sons 
to push paper to try to convince people that this is the next progressive hill to climb, right? It's all in the name of basically creating government-run everything. Hmm. But this piece of it, they've tried to make clear that it is somehow a civil rights issue, that somehow Hispanic caucus and the, and the black caucus and everything is, is important to them. When in reality, as you just ticked off in the stats, it's not. It's not, right? So, so yes, it's about politics, but it's actually not even about electoral politics. It's about everything that has driven this administration since day one, which is this constituency, this narrow progressive constituency that he is entirely responsive towards during the entirety of his administration. So plus, it's like oh, we were talking to Peter Schiff, economist, about this last week. So if he doesn't pay for this, this you know, forgiveness of debt, you, you can't make debt go away like it's being transferred from some somebody to somebody else. So it's either other taxpayers are going to have to foot the bill. Right. So, you know, I've got to pay for somebody's college education, even though I already paid for my own, even though, you know, I was responsible with my loans and I paid them back, even though it wasn't that easy and it isn't for most people. But they do the right thing and they pay them back. Or there's a whole group of other people who didn't go to college at all because they knew that they couldn't afford this and they didn't want to be saddled with debt. Well, now they're going to get saddled with other people's debt who can't pay their bills or who can but prefer not to people who went to med school, maybe people who went to professional <laughs> school, people who make one hundred and forty nine thousand dollars a year. It's absurd when he was saying um, or they just print more money from the, tre- the Treasury. Right. Like if they don't want to raise the taxes, they go back to their favorite trick, which is print more cash, which is inflationary at a time we already have eight and a half percent inflation. So that <laughs> and that's a tax on everybody. So either way, you know, it's like a. What's that Saturday Night Fever? Everybody's dump, dump, dumping on everybody. That's what, that's what we have here. <laughs> dump, dump, dumping on everybody situation. <laughs> nice Travolta. I like that. That's really good. Not bad, baby. I never played outside. I only watch television and movies. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I mean, what it boils down to it is, I mean, you mentioned all the people who chose not to. Some people went to trade schools, right? They're making great money, but they took a loan to go to a trade school that they could afford to pay back. I mean, ultimately, what we're talking about here are people who made an investment in themselves that was so poor that they couldn't pay it back. If, if you ultimately make that kind of investment decision where you are deciding to go entirely in the red for something that you know will never be able to pay back some art history degree or something else, if you can't make that investment, why the hell should I? Right? right. And, that, and that's basically what these guys... But is there more fulsome understanding of the government itself? It is just basically there to protect every bad decision that any American could ever make Mm -hmm. in any facet of life, including now your education. That is such a fascinating way of looking at it. See, this is why we like your connection to the swamp. This is why we need <laughs> advocates who are swampy, not not necessarily swamp creatures, but swampy. swampy. Guys, stand by. Swampish. <laughs> so, so swamp adjacent. Uh, stand by because there's so much more to go over, including more from the woman who is going to run our disinformation cafe. <laughs> She's now going to be in charge of whether you've said the wrong thing or thought the wrong thing. Oh, wait. This is America. Don't go away. On this episode of Plant Killers, we'll explore one nation's most notorious fruit and vegetable killer, bad dirt. What makes bad dirt so bad? The answer, the ingredients. But fear not, true crime enthusiasts. This story has a happy ending. New miracle Grow organic raised bed in garden soil. It's made with quality organic ingredients from upcycled green waste like compost and aged bark. Unlike the other guys who can't say the same. Looks like bad dirt's murdering days are over. Thanks to miracle Grow. Join us next time on Plant Killers. 
Nina Jankowitz is a name that we're going to have to become familiar with if we're not already. Uh, she's going to be our new leader, our new unelected disinformation czar. She's going to be running the Department of Homeland Security's disinformation board, um, the government disinformation board. And uh, the Mayorkas, DHS Secretary Mayorkas, was asked about her and what this board is going to do by uh, Dana Bash, I think, on CNN this past weekend. Take a listen to how he described what the board is going to do. You tell me if you feel reassured what the board is going to do. Sound like nine. But it's still not clear to me how this governance board will act. What, what will it do? So what it does is it works to ensure that the way in which we address threats, the connectivity between threats and acts of violence are addressed without infringing on free speech, protecting civil rights and civil liberties, the right of privacy. And the board, this working group, internal working group, will draw from best practices and communicate those best practices to the operators because the board does not have operational well, authority. I think Kamala Harris wrote that. <laughs> that was exactly my reaction to it. That is the most Kamala answer of all. Oh, it's best practices. What do you mean you don't know what best practices are? Best practices. <laughs> best practices. They're going to work collaboratively. <laughs> I think I think uh, Brett Baer also asked Mayorkas this question and it, because he was really honing in with a conservative audience about, uh, well, this is just uh, foreign threats. Right. What we're really yeah. monitoring here is like Russia. China and Russia and, you know, all this. And so Brett was basically like, OK, so uh, steel dossier, is that misinformation? And he's like, mm. uh, I'm not qualified to talk about that. Mm. <laughs> right. Look over there. He he dodged, too. When Dana asked him, would you be comfortable with a Trump administration doing this? He was like something shiny over there. There's a shiny. Yeah. <laughs> Brian Stelter's head. Um, so he was asked about Nina Jankowitz, who we do need to be concerned of about because she seems like a lunatic. Um, she's he was she was she was asking him whether she's qualified and whether she's partisan and so on. And he defended her. So let's just listen to that first. A soundbite 10. Republicans are criticizing your decision, the administration's decision to choose Nina Jankowitz to lead this disinformation board. They say she is not somebody who is neutral. Your response? Eminently qualified, a renowned expert in the field of disinformation. Absolutely so. Really? Because she's the one who dismissed the Hunter Biden laptop as just a Trump campaign drop. Yeah, like, I mean, I think she's an expert in disinformation as someone who's experienced. Yeah, right. The, the disseminator. That, that was that was the experience that Mayorkas was talking about. It was like, no, 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 you don't understand. She's a purveyor of misinformation. Yeah, she's very good at disinformation. Like a Hillary Clinton type. <laughs> I don't know if you saw. Yeah, I don't know if you saw the video of this lady. Oh yeah, but like the video that we have it. Her, yes. Oh, I, if you Wait, I'll it, play I'd... it and then I'll give okay. you the, the floor, Josh. Stand by. Here she is. We showed you the one where she was singing the weird song about disinformation. I don't know. And But here's a second. She loves to sing. She's like a theater major, which is reason enough for concern. Here we go. <laughs> Went looking for some prefects in the bathroom one day. But instead I found Harry. And so I said, hey, I helped Harry Potter. Harry Potter. Tomorrow in the lane, so that our honeymoon we can train. Know that ghosts have working that me. But what's better than that? We don't get STD. 
going God. on? She's yeah. a giant nerd. <laughs> and I mean, how disturbing and is it? Fantasizing you're, about like underage child. kids. Right. Harry Potter's eight years old or something. <laughs> what the yes. hell was that? Smug, that we just yes. Oh, I, I, I don't know. I mean, look. We need lives of TikTok. Like, <laughs> this is why they need to this be is here why, right, to hold true. powerful to account. This is unreal. The Lips first would time understand I saw the right video, caption. The first time I saw a video over, and you'll appreciate this uh, as a mom, Megan, but it, it she reminded me of you know those those kids like Saturday morning uh, shows that are are not cartoons. Yeah, where they have this yeah. like super overly enthusiastic because right. they're trying uh, to yes. keep attention. Adult that's yeah. trying yes. to like pretend like they're a child and like you can't figure out whether it's the children's <laughs> show or you're having a fever dream right like that's 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 basically what i thought of the first time right. i saw this lady it's like the wiggles you know the <laughs> wiggles <laughs> she's like a character from the wiggles that this is my, i feel like this woman just wants to be a star does everyone it, it, like who works at the White House, who like Jen Psaki, she wants her own TV show, of course. This woman, she wants to be a star. Uh, she just found some weird back way to develop some alleged expertise in an area no one cares about. And she, you know, the blind squirrel found the nut because it just happens to be the favorite thing in the Democratic Party right now. And now she's going to be a czar. <laughs> what? Which, which, which actually should be terrible. We're laughing about this, but it should be terrifying. If you really think about it, you know, somebody who's like this, who craves attention this much and is this much of much of a nerd who thinks they know what misinformation and disinformation and information is, is like that's somebody who's could be a tyrant. Right. Like yeah. you look at what Anthony Fauci did with covid over the last yep. two years. Mm, and, and I, I, I'm very concerned that she will be the Fauci of information mm. on the Internet and she's going to go before Congress and, and people are going to discuss, you know, what is allowed to be said and what's not allowed to be said. Oh, listen, I don't I don't get, I don't trust that individual at all to me begin neither. with, let alone defining the when 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 Americus is like, we should be, you know, we should feel calm and good that this person is going to set best practices for what's considered acceptable to say. I mean, that's stunning that he would think that's a good idea. This person clearly, you know, should not be trusted with anything, let alone, you know, the American people's First Amendment. Let me have I a totally complicated take on this for a second, Megan. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. I actually if, if Republicans get the House and Senate back. I want that. I don't want this woman to go anywhere. I, I want. I want her to be exactly where she is because can you imagine the entertainment value? Yeah. Of this woman sitting in a panel in front of like Ted Cruz and Tom Cotton and the rest of them just giving her. I mean, it would be the most pay per view hearing in history. It would be fantastic. I want to. I want to sit with her and just say, okay, I'll get. I'll give you a couple. Okay. Um, 100,000 kids are in the hospital or ICU or on ventilators because of COVID right now. Sonia Sotomayor, disinformation or true? You tell Perfect. me. <laughs> That's it. Perfect. Right? Like right we could go down the list. It could be really fun because I guarantee you this woman has no clue uh, what's real and what's not when it comes to the most dicey debates because she only listens to her one side and they didn't report that Sotomayor was wrong in the places that she listens to. Um, but here's some of sort of the this is like part of the problem. Is it pleb or plebe? Plebe. I'm going to go with plebe. Yeah. I always said plebe and then somebody said it's pleb, whatever. Pleb, plebeian. For plebeian, Pleb, yeah. Plebeian. I guess um, Surf. Low life. <laughs> a nothing. A nobody. Sorry. That, and then it got mean. That just turned mean. Um, but CNN's David Zerowick. Remember, he was from the Baltimore Sun, I think, he used to write for. Oh, yeah. This guy used to be somewhat, not totally normal, but somewhat like reasonable to listen to as a media critic. He wants it. 
Like, this is why I was sort of going to the surf place. Like, there are some in the masses who are like, yes, lead us, mistress, lead us away from the dangerous misinformation. How else will we figure it out on our own? Listen to this guy uh, on CNN commenting on her. This is dangerous. We can't think anymore in this country. We don't have people. (laughs) No, I'm serious. We don't have people in Congress who can make regulations that can make it work. I think we can look to the Western countries in Europe for how they are trying to limit it. But you need, you need controls on this. You need regulation. You cannot let these guys control discourse in this country or we are headed to hell. We are there. Trump opened the gates of hell and now they're chasing us down. Gates of hell. Yikes. I mean, first of all, imagine just a scenario where you show up and you're like, you know what? The one thing that we have to do to ensure the Bill of Rights is just, let's just try to replicate Western Europe. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, wowzer, right? Ah, oh. it's scary. It's also, yeah, it's, but it's also this underlying thing that you see play out of the White House correspondence dinner and everything else, which is modern liberalism. This is their, this is their religion. This is their organized religion, right? It's not about any sort of faith in anything other than institutions to tell us what to do. And free thought, free expression. I mean, this guy says nobody can think anymore. Well, well, well but he doesn't mean like him. You. But he doesn't mean himself, right? right he means everybody point. else. He wants everybody else to listen to him. And what his thought is, is what's real and what's not real. That's mm-hmm. always that's always the turn with these people. And that's, that's why they the always catch. become tyrants is because when they say stuff like, oh, well, we can't think anymore. Well, you think you can think. It's the royal you know, right. It's the <laughs> right, 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 right. All right. So let's talk politics in the few minutes we have left. Um, primaries are coming up in several states for folks who would like to become U.S. senators or what have you. And um, there was a moment I've got to play this because I got to get your reaction. So Trump, there was a big fight amongst the Republicans out in Ohio to try to get Trump's endorsement. That's Trump territory. And they all all these GOPers wanted Trump to bless them. And in the end, he gave his, his endorsement to J.D. Vance. And now there are cutthroat advertisements being run by the other guys against Trump's endorsement and then back and forth. And uh, so J.D. Vance gets the nod. But um, Josh Mandel is right behind him in the polls. J.D. Vance now has 26 percent. Josh Mandel has 24 percent. And Trump seemed to be a little confused about who he actually wound up endorsing uh, when he spoke at a rally in a neighboring state or another state over the weekend. Listen to how that went. Boy, they're waiting for one race. You know, we've endorsed Dr. Oz. We've endorsed JP, right? J.D. Mandel. And he's doing great. They're all doing good. Oh, no. So what's that about? Clearly, he's not really bonded to J.D. Vance. Well, I think J.D. Mandel's a pretty solid guy. I think he'll do well for the people <laughs> in Ohio. <laughs> There's nothing not to like about J.D. Yeah, Mandel. Bad word about J.D. Mandel. Maybe he's, just, maybe, maybe he's just hedging his bet, you know? <laughs> it's like, you know, whoever comes out on top, he can be like, well, I said, their, I said both their names. I endorse it's like them. A, a Alabama Senate race, just with a little bit more precision. <laughs> I mean, honestly, Ohio, Megan, for people who follow this stuff closely, this has been the best soap opera in politics I've ever seen. It couldn't end any other way than that clip, right? Yeah, that's true. Unbelievable to watch. I mean, mercifully, it's done on Tuesday because I don't know if there's going to be anybody left standing in a month from now. There was almost an open brawl on the debate stage between these candidates out there. <laughs> right. It's like, right. that's how insane no, I mean, it's gotten. And, and it's like $10 million table stakes, right? Yeah, I mean, minimum, like each candidate, you have to bring a 10 mil spend minimum. It's unreal, unreal how that primary has gone down. It really so how do, is. What, what do we think is likely to happen there? Do you think J.D. Vance is going to 
pull that out? Or what do you think? Because it's like Vance is at 26%, Mandel's at 24%, and then Matt Dolan's at 21%. I, I, National Review likes Matt Dolan because he's like, he wants to move beyond Trump. I like the guys at National Review, but, you know, they're sort of the more sophisticated, like distinguished Republicans. They're like, oh, no. <laughs> anyway, yeah, right. um, but I wonder what's going to happen. Because clearly do not fit into that category. Yeah. No, you're <laughs> same. Um, but what do you think is going to happen? Because I think Ohio is interesting. And of course, the way the media is going to write about it is this is all a test of Trump's power. If Trump's endorsed candidate doesn't win, he's a loser. Right. It's like without accounting for the dynamics on the ground and so on and so forth. Yeah. I mean, they pick and choose on where they want to enforce that. Right. I mean, look, totally. Trump still Trump still has a, a, a huge hold on a, sec, a segment of the primary electorate. And it's evidenced by J.D. Vance. Uh, basically surging six, seven, eight points in recent polls to take the lead in that. Josh Mandel has been in that one or two slot now for nine months, maybe a year. So he's he's basically been where he's at. But then every other candidate in this race, as we said, it's like $10 million table stakes. Everybody else has had their moment, right? Whether it's James Timken or Gibbons or now Dolan. And so, look, I mean, it's polls show this Dolan guy is starting to surge at the end. I think it's J.D. Vance's race to lose because of the timing of the endorsement and the timing of the peak of his end of his campaign. But, I mean, you wouldn't be surprised if it got razor thin here at the end. Yeah, mm. the only poll I trust is the exit poll. That's the one I'm, I'll be watching for. <laughs> the Served least reliable so poll. Served us so very well in, in case the past. you didn't know, listeners. <laughs> Well, hopefully we, we I mean, obviously, we don't have too much longer to wait because we are going to get some results soon, at least in these primaries. Uh, Herschel Walker looking good for the as the Senate candidate on the GOP side in Georgia. And then what's happening with Dr. Oz? So that's a tight race, right? McCormick and Oz have basically made that a two man race here for the last three months or so. Again, tons of spending in the race. Trump made his endorsement of Dr. Oz. By all accounts, it's within the margin of error at this point. And I, I think this is a real coin flip. You've got to you've got to think that the Trump endorsement probably propels Oz to an advantage. But I'm not ready to to rule McCormick out at all. I mean, they, they've spent a ton of money. They've really done a lot of damage to the image of Oz statewide mm. in Pennsylvania. But I think ultimately, from a Republican standpoint, either of those two candidates are going to be incredible general election candidates, particularly when matched up against this Fetterman yeah. guy. On the <laughs> That's going to be so bad for them. Like the stories that are coming out about Fetterman. He's a lunatic. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm that, that has to be our tease our until, until the next time because we're up against a break. Yeah. Guys, always a pleasure. Thank you so much and we'll be right back. On this episode of Plant Killers, we'll explore one nation's most notorious fruit and vegetable killer, bad dirt. What makes bad dirt so bad? The answer, the ingredients. But fear not, true crime enthusiasts. This story has a happy ending. New miracle Grow organic raised bed in garden soil. It's made with quality organic ingredients from upcycled green waste like compost and aged bark. Unlike the other guys who can't say the same. Looks like bad dirt's murdering days are over. Thanks to miracle Grow. Join us next time on Plant Killers. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. 
We are taking an in-depth look at the trial captivating the nation right now. Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. It's it's an insane case. It's really it's nuts. Every time you tune back in, somebody said something equally outrageous to the day before. And you didn't think that they could do it, but they found a way and everyone's got an opinion on it. Uh, Last week, Johnny Depp was on the stand. People came from all over to get a look at Johnny Depp. I mean, this country's still obsessed with celebrity. This week, it's Amber Heard's turn. Joining me now to discuss what has happened and how this case is likely to go to very experienced lawyers who've been closely following the trial. Vinnie Politan is a lawyer, former prosecutor and the lead anchor of Court TV. He's covered some of the nation's most captivating and critical trials, including Scott Peterson, Michael Jackson, Casey Anthony, Jody Arias and George Zimmerman. And Mark Garagos tried all those cases. (laughs) <laughs> tried virtually everyone exactly. I, just, right, I just mentioned, <laughs> who's a lawyer from Scott Peterson from Michael Jackson. He's now the managing partner of Garagos and Garagos, and he co-hosts his own podcast called Reasonable Doubt with our pal Adam Carolla. Welcome, guys. Good to have you here. Um, you. And Vinny, I've been enjoying your podcast on Court TV covering this case, too. Um, and the young female reporter, forgive me, I can't remember her name, but she does a good job. Who's, who's Chanley Painter. Chanley First of all, I like she's that amazing. name, Chandley, and she's been doing a good yeah. job covering that, too. All right. So thus far, uh, this is my take, and then you guys can tell me whether I'm right or wrong. But my take is thus far, um, it, it's only been his case. So she hasn't yet presented her defense. He's suing her for def- for defamation, for suggesting in The Washington Post that he abused her. And um, it's going well for him so far in that he's gotten a lot of evidence in that she allegedly abused him. And that might cast doubt on her previous allegations that she suffered abuse at his hand. So that's a win for him. He doesn't need her $50 million. He's already got hundreds of millions of dollars. This isn't about earning money from her. It's about squaring things up PR wise so that the public understands he wants them to think he was the victim at a minimum that they were both tumultuous and it was ugly and bad. And so he's winning at that. But now she's going to put on her case and she, they've already been through this once before in England. And they actually had a lot of these same witnesses and she won. She won outright. And they so they already this dance was danced before and it was a judge, not a jury. But she won. And the judge rejected all these arguments that the press here has been spending so much time on saying, no, she was an abuse victim. I don't know. So right now I feel like he's winning PR wise and it'll remain a win because he's got enough out to show that she abused him, too. He's not going to win a defamation claim, however. What, where am I going wrong? Mark, I'll start with you. Well, first of all, I think and I can't find it. Maybe Vinny's got it. I haven't seen the jury composition because one of the things I've noticed about this so far is that it breaks almost completely down gender lines, meaning team uh, team depth is are females and they're the toughest on other females and it supports <laughs> everything that I've ever known anecdotally about jury selection. I want to know who's on that jury because I will tell you he's got uh, he's got the leg up if he's got a some drivey females who are going to drive this thing number one number two remember and, and you bring it up Megan and people generally forget about this. We've seen this show before and he lost in spectacular fashion. And this isn't about the money. Clearly, uh, he doesn't need it or the amount of money that was stolen from him allegedly prior to this um, was only a uh, dent. This is all about uh, publicity. 
I don't understand it. I, if he had come to me, I would have tried to talk him out of this. I don't think this has helped him. I, I understand that, you know, a, a lot of times, uh, pre- this is precisely why I avoid family law like the plague, because mm. this is way too similar to a divorce case for my uh, liking. Because the way it came up in England, Vinny, was he sued a newspaper over there that had suggested she was his abuse victim. And he was like, that's defamatory. It's not true. And in England, the court found, no, there's plenty of evidence that would sustain that accusation. And uh, your, that defamation claim is not going to fly here. And now he's got her on, 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 you know, in an American courtroom, kind of retrying similar allegations. Well, here's the thing. And, and um, it's amazing. I'm going to disagree with both of you. <laughs> this is unreal. I mean, this is exciting. We haven't we haven't seen this before, because the first trial was in the UK. What does the UK not have that the United States of America does have? Court TV cameras in the courtroom, so right. the public is actually hearing and seeing all the evidence in the case. What did we hear out of UK? We heard, uh, um, you know, secondhand accounts filtered filtered through journalists who see the world pretty much all in the same way. I think you will agree with that, Megan. You've been lived in that world a long time. You know the way journalists see the world. So mm-hmm. now it's directly from the witness stand to the public. And, and to me, that is the huge difference in this case, number one. Number two, let me get to what Mark was saying, which is another big, big important factor. And I don't know how to read it, Mark. This jury, I walked into that courtroom and I looked at the jury and I was like, Are we on spring break? It's like a bunch of young guys in their 20s and predominantly Asian young men in their 20s. I don't know if that means anything, but you've got seven jurors who will decide this case. Right now we're down to nine. We lost two alternates, but you've got five young men. You've got one older man. Then you've got um, an older woman, a younger woman and a woman with a mask. I have no idea how old she is. You know, that's interesting, Vinny, because if I were going to handicap it and I were picking the jury here, I would want young man, men if I was representing Amber. And I know it sounds trite, but I'm, I've seen it anecdotally. The people who are identifying with Johnny Depp almost breaks exclusively or tilts heavily towards women. And and I think they've been vicious on Amber. And I have not seen that when it comes to young males. I, I, I'm i the father of a, of a young male. And I, and I talked to him and his friends, uh, my, my own personal focus group, and they're not buying anything Johnny Depp is selling. It's kind of an interesting dichotomy here. Now, let me and, go to this. So yes. the, the judge in England, Judge Andrew Nichol, um, found the great majority of alleged assaults uh, of Ms. Heard by Mr. Depp have been proven to the civil standard. There's a multiplicity of emails, texts, and messages and diary entries in the papers before me. He goes on to say that they may not be independent evidence of the truth, but he believes she's been corroborated in her abuse allegations. And he goes through all of her abuse allegations, which we haven't yet heard in this case. Okay, but we're about to. So this is sort of a preview of what's coming this week. Um, There are 14 in all, a couple of which he did discount. And I'm not going to go through all of them. But she says there were, uh, let's say, let's just go with the ones he found he believes were supported. 12 assaults. 
first one, Los Angeles, early 2013. She joked about his tattoo uh, that used to say Winona Ryder now says, why no forever? And uh, she said he got angry. He knocked her to the floor. Then he cried and apologized, saying he sometimes turns into the monster. Los Angeles, 2013. uh, She alleged he was enraged. She hung a painting by her ex-partner. He tried to set it on fire. He hit her, quote, so hard that blood from her lip ended up on the wall. She said he was a Jekyll and Hyde on a binge. All of these involve drugs or alcohol. Three, Hicksville, June 13. He had taken alcohol and mushrooms. He threw glasses at her. He ripped her dress. He damaged the cabin they were staying in. Four, private plane from Boston to L.A., May 2014. After drinking heavily, he had thrown objects at her, slapped her in the face, kicked her in the back, causing her to fall over. He threw his boot at her. Uh, he passed out in the toilet. He denies all of this. And on it goes. I could keep going through all 14, 12 of which the judge judge believed. But this same judge, for what it's worth, guys, found number one, uh, her donation of the seven million to charity is hardly the act that one would expect of a gold digger. Well, we know that didn't really happen. She didn't donate the seven million she got in the divorce settlement. So the judge was confused to be charitable. Uh, on that. And then the judge also did not believe the poop incident. He did not believe that she had defecated or had a friend defecate in the marital bed. But this week in court, and forgive me for playing a poop sot, the chauffeur testified (laughs) that she admitted it. Here it is, soundbite 25. Did you have any discussions with Miss Heard on the way to Coachella that evening? We had a conversation pertaining to the surprise she left in the boss's bed prior to leaving the apartment. And when you refer to the surprise in the boss's bed, what are you referring to? The defecation. And what did Ms. Hurd say about the defecation in Mr. Depp's bed? A horrible practical joke gone wrong. So the judge, he wasn't all that up to speed over there in England. Vinny, your thoughts? I mean, to the point of that's a different trial than this one. Yeah, and I think we refer to it as a grumpy. At least that's what Johnny Depp referred to it as a grumpy. It's a new word for me. Uh, here's the thing, right? You've got all these allegations by Amber Heard, which are going to come up this week. But this jury is hearing them a little bit differently than the judge because of one of Johnny Depp's witnesses, which was the psychologist who um, interviewed and analyzed Amber Heard for this jury and described her as borderline personality disorder, histrionic personality disorder. So there's a little bit of a different filter that that jury has right now. And I'm sure Amber Heard will have her own experts. But the bottom line is they've heard that that testimony from that expert describing the mind of Amber Heard. So now when they hear these allegations from Amber Heard on the witness stand, maybe they look at her a little differently than the judge did. This is a very good point. You raised this on your podcast, which I, I listened to, um, and we st- we stole this soundbite from you, uh, hoping that you might raise that point because it was a good one. This is soundbite 30. This is the psychologist who examined Amber for 12 plus hours and has thoughts on Amber's issues. Here it is. Borderline personality disorder, you're having these fluctuating moods constantly. And again, this hypersensitivity to being slighted or feeling offended really driven by the fear that if you're offended or slighted, if the therapist comes in two minutes late, or if somebody shows up to dinner two minutes late, that they might be abandoning you. So if they're in the middle of the restaurant and they feel offended, they're going to start the fight. Uh, People are going to see it, or they might just start crying or break down, but they'll make a lot of accusations 
And that reactivity is when you're going to just, you're going to see a lot of this escalation, the bizarre behavior. They can react violently. They can react aggressively. Now, Mark, they tried to poke holes in that by saying, well, you, you know, you only interviewed her for 12 hours and you came to this case by having dinner with Johnny Depp and his lawyers and a bunch of drinks. And only when they talked to you over the booze, did they decide she'll do right? Because we all know how that works. You're like, well, would you believe that this woman, you know, right? And then she's like, no, I wouldn't. And you're hired. I'll tell you, every every time I've ever had a witness uh, with uh, psychiatric uh, so-called qualifications, all you got to do is put somebody else up there who says the opposite. And then the jury says a pox on both your houses. I mean, mm. they, uh, this is not, that to me is not going to be pivotal in the least. People are going to discount that. And you think so? Because like, right now they're like, she's a lunatic. This woman's a lunatic, borderline person and histrionic personality disorder. I actually knew somebody who had this. And um, it's, if you if you might know somebody who has this thing and you might not know that's what it's called, but it's somebody who tends to be hypersexualized in lots of their conversations, trying to draw weird, inappropriate attention to themselves. They have to be the center of attention. If they're not the center of attention, they get upset and they do weird things. There was this one woman who I knew a long time ago who like if if the conversation was going on and she wasn't involved, she would just start like humming loudly. She would do whatever she could to get the conversation back on her. Always weird references to her sex life or her body or whatever. Anyway, the jury's thinking she's a nut. Was it someone right you now. worked with? No, I was going to say, Megan, um, you may have a sequel on your hands. <laughs> <laughs> she actually is um, well known publicly. That's all I'm going to say. Okay. Well, then we're Vinny. We'll start. Uh, we'll start guessing. We'll put a. We'll start a pool. We'll chat after the show. Um, okay. I don't. I don't need my own defamation uh, case against me. So let's shift to this. Johnny Depp gets up there and he's introduced lots of evidence that he's the victim. He's the real victim. She claimed she was a victim falsely and ruined his career. Here's a sampling of what he says was the physical abuse he faced. Soundbite sixteen. It would, it would commence with sort of demeaning, sort of name-calling, uh, 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 berated, sort of to be made a fool of, um, and those would escalate into uh, a full-scale argument. I, I would just go and lock myself in, uh, you know, the bathroom or anywhere that she couldn't get into. If I stayed to argue that, eventually I, I was sure that it was going to escalate into violence. It, it could begin with a slap. It could begin with a, a shove. Um, it could begin with, you know, throwing a TV remote at my head. It could be uh, throwing a glass of wine in my face. She kicked... Uh, the bathroom door uh, into my head. It so it it um, yeah. She kicked the bathroom door into my head, and uh, I was I was completely taken aback by such a, 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 a corrosive. Horrific move. The next move was just a bang. It just uh, she clocked me in the jaw. She, she she walked up to me and reached and grabbed the the bottle of vodka, and then just uh, kind of stood back and then hurled it at me. And then I 
looked down and realized that the 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 tip of my finger had been severed. And what did you say in response when Miss Heard said, "Tell the world, Johnny. Tell them, Johnny Depp. I, Johnny Depp, a man. I'm a victim too of domestic violence." I said yes. What do you make of it, Mark? How 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 many points did he score there? Look, I I just don't I don't understand, uh, frankly, the the plaintiff's case. I mean, people have to understand he brought this case. And the, to my mind, the collateral damage to him is worse than anything that ever was suggested. And mind you, I don't even think he was named in the Washington Post editorial. Um, no, by but him. it was clear. It was clear, I suppose. But they, if you stop somebody on the street and you ask them today, do you remember that editorial or do you remember the the argument over whether or not the tip of his finger was cut? I'm going to suggest or that somebody um, defecated in his bed. I think mm-hmm. that's what they're going to remember. So I don't understand. Uh, and now I will I will. Uh, give Vinny kudos here. Now that I know who the jurors are in this case, I really don't understand what the point is of, of this case. I really don't. I don't. But think- isn't isn't that the point? Like, if if all I can remember about this case is that his he lost his finger and there was a poop in the bed, I see her differently, not him. I think that that is we're taking kind of a a snapshot right now. I think she may we'll see acquit herself well on the stand i think you know, it's about to get actor. worse for him for sure yeah it's yeah, yeah. It's, i, I mean because that's the thing Vinny. is like it's, so far it's just been his stage and it, she she's it, an actress too <laughs> yeah exactly right and by the way i'm i'm telling you again i see this going down gender lines so that's just mm, my that's, well, that's a great prediction i'll say this about her testimony though megan you know and it's six years later but she was deposed and i've seen the video of her deposition She's no Johnny Depp in that deposition. So mm-hmm. um, it's six years later. She's she's a more mature woman. She's been through it a couple times already. She may come across much better, um, but she did not come across well in her You're deposition. Right. You, can now, we talk about that yep. for a second? Hold, hold, that, hold that thought, because can we talk about that for sure. a second? I've seen some of those clips, too, and you're 100% right. I haven't heard enough people make that point. She was bizarre. She was the she was getting crossed by the lawyers, and, and it was getting uncomfortable, and she kept shoving... Was it mints? Was it gum? Mince. I mince. thought it was mints or something. Yeah, in I her mouth. It. Like every every tough question, she'd shove her mouth full of mints or gum. And then she'd like need a minute before she could answer because she was chewing whatever was in her mouth. I mean, it was such an obvious delaying, like stalling mechanism. She looked like a moron. And then she went all holier than thou. But the one time she admits she had, I mean, he says he got hit many times. She admits hitting him one time when she says he was allegedly threatening to throw her sister down the stairs and just her overly dramatic, absolutely to save the life of my sister. Yes. Yes. Of course. Every time I will hit somebody. It was, you would think as a professional actor, she'd know dial it back sister. Oh, we have it. All right, sorry. Hold on. Let's let's let the audience hear it for themselves. He was about to push my sister down the stairs. She was attempting to break us up. I am protective over my baby sister. When he laid hands on her, I don't know what I did, but I know I jumped in between the actions that I saw could lead to a fatal injury to my sister. She was standing on the top of a flight of the stairs and she has never hurt anyone in her life and she does not deserve to be pushed down the flight of stairs. And it looked like she was about to be. 
And I would have done what anybody who has a child or a sister would have done. I acted defensively in her life. I saw her standing on top of a flight of his stairs and trying to interrupt a fight in between him and I. I don't know what part of my body I put in between me and him and her. But I would have done anything. I would have done anything to prevent her from being pushed down a flight of stairs. Go ahead, Vinny. Well, there's a couple things about her testimony is with her sister. This relationship isn't clear. Sister's on her um, witness list, so I'm sure she will testify for Amber Heard. But there there are allegations that there were some problems between the sisters and where his, her sister Whitney may have been a victim of Amber. At least those are some of the allegations uh, that are floating around all this. So expect to hear that on cross-examination as well. So um, it, it's going to be a huge moment when she testifies. But I I, I know it's six years later and she looks like a different person in the courtroom than she did in that deposition. And we'll see if she sounds like a different person. But something tells me you don't change that much. Mm. And I, I think there is a chance here. The other part of this lawsuit has always been why, why, why? And I think Mark has a great point. Why would you do this? Um, I think it, it goes back to in 2016, they had a divorce settlement and then that's it, right, Mark? You, you divorce someone, especially if you're a public figure like they are, you don't talk about it. That's the end. We move on. And then two years later, she poked the bear uh, with the ACLU for some reason and, and put out this op-ed, which he felt was directed at him. Uh, the jury will make that decision. I think it's obvious, but maybe maybe it's not obvious to the jury. Um, and I think that's why he brought it. It was like, okay, you're going to poke me. You already took me down. You're trying to take me down again. If I'm going down, you're going down. And it's almost like an episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm where this is the spite lawsuit. I look, I don't disagree with you in the least. That's why somebody should have talked him off the ledge on this, in my humble opinion. And by the way, uh, maybe uh, Megan will want to get to this. The ACLU is, I, look, I've always thought, you know, for 40 years uh, early in my career, I thought they did great work, fantastic work. I, you know, and even as recently as the last decade, this, uh, at least if you believe what's reported, is abhorrent. I don't even yeah. understand this. A three and a well, half million dollar donation to help co-author an op-ed. Yeah, exactly. And she and they were allegedly behind the very first draft of, of course, because let's face it, she seems like a moron. So she didn't write that <laughs> op-ed. They wrote the op-ed for her. And you can tell. So you like know, that's Megan, you are proving my gender theory in spades on this thing. I'll just point that out. I am open minded to her case. I have not ruled out the possibility that Johnny Depp abused her. I right. haven't. You're I want to I want to hear it. The enchanting Johnny Depp versus moron Amber Heard. But uh, no, no, no. He seems like, like a moron, too. It. At least he's be, he's able to string two sentences together today versus all the tapes we've seen of him where the guys had so much drugs and so many so much alcohol in his system. It's like an, a walking advertisement. And th- I said to my team, the moral here is do not marry Johnny Depp and do not marry Amber Heard. <laughs> Don't marry these people. Yeah. Once the constantly intoxicated and drugged up. Do not do family law or anything related to it. But but I I want to challenge you, Mark, because I actually don't dis I don't disagree with his strategy of bringing the lawsuit. He'd already been labeled as an abuser. It had been all over the British tabloids, some of the American tabloids, I think too. Um, she 
she, like she was sort of she she orchestrated that press opportunity in front of the tabloid reporters, the paparazzi when she came out uh, after she filed for divorce. So she made sure that the press was going her way, that she was this abuse victim and poor Amber. And he was probably really irritated about it if, in fact, she abused him in the way that he now claims. So at a minimum, he's changed the, the national conversation to he's an abuser. By the way, he was like fired from the Pirates of the Caribbean series immediately. He's changed the narrative from that to they're both hot messes. They were in a very messy, unfortunate, abusive relationship. And she's not just this unsullied, poor little woe is me abuse victim. That, that as long as we're talking about a snapshot in the trial, what if he loses? Then what happens? And by the I way, bet, I think at, he will least lose. In, at least in Hollywood, um, the the scuttlebutt, if you will, is that he was uninsurable prior to this for reasons that had nothing to do with her. And that was the real reason that uh, he wasn't working mm. as much. I, I don't know if that's true. Yeah, no, he's a mess. He's, he's like fired his entire legal team a couple times. He fired his like managers or agents, something like that. He hasn't been able to maintain relationships, which is not unusual when you have somebody. And by the way, big, when you go a, through, you know, one of the problem. things they tell you, uh, the state bars always and ethics lawyers always tell you is shy away from a client who's on their second or third set of lawyers. You're just asking for all kinds mm. of issues. That's kind of the, uh, the red she She's equally bad, though. She's I mean, like all the stories about her doing the drugs, too. She's I don't know if she's as bad of a victim when it comes to she's got a new team this week for her testimony. Right. Right. They just fired over the weekend. The headlines are too bad for her. Well, (laughs) sorry, but that's it's really not the fault of the PR people. They've didn't. The press is in there listening to the allegations about her bad behavior. That's why I think it wasn't a bad move for him to just say, "Okay, I behave like a shit, not as badly as she says I have, but she's problematic, too. And let one because now already we're seeing something like three million signatures to get her booted from the Aquaman sequel, which she was in, um, because, you know, if what's good for the goose, right? Like if he has to go from pirates, she has to go from Aquaman and it's on. Yeah, and I think, you know, ultimately with this jury and, and you know, the law obviously is on her side. He's a public figure, First Amendment, United States. I, I get it. But ultimately, I, I think there's a chance that the jury can look at this and say, wait, this really wasn't fair. What happened to Johnny Depp? We've we've seen we've now learned what this relationship was like and what it was about and how she was and how he was. And, and it just didn't seem fair that she should be the one that comes out as the victim. He comes out as the cliched wife beater and, you know, his life gets disrupted. Um, I, I could see them not coming back for the 50 million, but how about the 7 million from the divorce? Mm. Just as sending a message that this whole thing wasn't fair. That's interesting. I Because I've all along I've been thinking no public figure can win a defamation case. You know that, right? So it's like he's not going to win a defamation case. The the, the barred for proving defamation if your public figure is just so impossibly high. So he's got that against him. And then he's got the fact that there has been testimony, even on his case, that he did abuse her. So, you know, technically what she implied was true, but it wasn't the full story. So that's been that's sort of why I've been thinking he's not going to win, because maybe Maybe he did abuse her, but it wasn't the full story. But I don't see a defamation. And, case and they're arguing different out types way. of abuse. Uh, Megan, a big part of this is there. It's like Amber Heard and her team are really focused on the the emotional abuse, the verbal abuse, whereas Johnny Depp and his team are focused really on the physical abuse and that mm-hmm. aspect of the relationship. And again, I, I, we'll see what the jury does with that. But you can see where the two sides have split in this 
case and the way they're questioning witnesses, trying to define abuse for this jury. Well, and the question is, what evidence does she have? What evidence? Like he's put in pictures of his his face hurt right underneath his eye, like on his orbital bone. Um, And what's her actual evidence, apart from her claims that he abused her? Um, we've seen a cop cops testify. They saw no injuries on her when they showed up the night. He allegedly whipped his phone as hard as he could in her face. They said we saw nothing. Um, we've seen his security team testify. Nope. We saw him hurt. We never saw her hurt. Um, but she's got friends too, and she's got witnesses and they're on her witness list. Um, that's, where we're going to pick it up right after this quick break. Here you are. BPMs high, sweat dripping, body moving, tongue panting. You're working hard, real hard, and you're thirsty. You need vitamins, nutrients for peak performance and energy. And your plants do too. Aw, let me just look at the little guy. Water-soluble plant food from miracle Grow is full of essential nutrients. Just a little scoop into your watering can and boom, instant feeding and bigger, more beautiful plants. It's kind of like a sports drink for your plants. You may have to suffer from heat, but your plants do not. Let's talk about what she is going to say. Um, first, before we play the him assaulting the cabinets with the, with the wine and all that, there's a soundbite. It's 27 where she you can hear her saying, here's what I've got on my side. Some, soundbite 27. By the way, my family, my friends, everyone around me had, saw all the bruises and broken oh broken blood vessel under my eye, the bruises on my head, the missing chunks of hair, the split lip, the black eye, the swollen nose, all that because you're stronger. It does not mean, it does not mean because they hurt me that I'm somehow more responsible. It just means they hurt me because I yell in a fight. You do provoke. I yell. It doesn't mean I'm more responsible or badder. Badder. Back to my earlier point. Um, Okay, and then... (laughs) I'm sorry. She's not running for you president. Are, you are you, you, that former prosecutor in you. I can't help it. <laughs> um, she's not going to she's not leaving the trial for her Mensa meeting, but neither is he. <laughs> um, OK, then this is probably the most damning piece of tape that we've seen because his abuse, his alleged abuse of her, of her is not on tape. We have no tape either way showing somebody hitting the other person, at least not that we know of. Here's sound by 26. This made the rounds on, um, on social media and so on a long time ago. And now here again at trial. Nothing happened this morning. You know that? Were you in here? No. So there's nothing happened to you this morning? Yeah, you're right. I just woke up and you were so sweet and nice. We we're not even fighting this morning. All I did was say sorry. Did something happen to you this morning? I don't think so. You want to see crazy? I'll give you crazy. That's crazy. Oh, you're crazy. Are you crazy? Yeah, have you drunk this whole thing this morning? Oh, you got this going. You got this going? Oh, really? Really? Finds the camera. This is at your house in West Hollywood on Sweetser Avenue, correct? That's correct, sir. And that's you in the video, Mr. Depp, right? That's correct, sir. And you would agree that you were violent in that clip? 
correct? Um, clearly, I was having a bad time. I don't, uh, I don't know what it was uh, with regard to completely at this point, since I don't know the date. But um, um, being legally recorded by your um, chosen other is, uh, well, it's quite fitting with the rest of the photographs and tape recordings she made. So. Um, I thought what was most interesting is that she <clears throat> tried to hide it from me and then that she laughed and smiled at the end. I thought that was the most interesting part myself. But so, yes, you didn't I, I did assault um, a couple of cabins, but I did not touch Miss Hurd. Hmm. They're kind of eating it up inside the courtroom, from what I hear, Vinny. Like, there's a group of women that loves Johnny Depp. He says hello to them every day. You know, they're the fan factor. I don't know. They, they love his little jokes about the cabinets and so on. Oh, absolutely. And, and there was a moment in, in the courtroom when I was there that I've never seen before. Maybe Mark has seen it, but where uh, it's 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 done. We're done for the day. The judge has, you know, ended. She's left the bench. It's time for Johnny Depp to exit. Uh, he goes uh, in, in the back behind the judge's bench is where the door is that he goes out. And as he's going through the doorway, he just turns and just gives them a little wave like this. And like 50 women are like this. Oh my! It was so amazing. That's the level of fandom that you have inside the, the courtroom and outside of the courthouse. They wait for him to come out every day as well. And there's, you know, in fact, the demographics is basically, I'd say, probably like 40 to 55 is the majority of them. But there are some that are younger. He definitely has younger fans from the, from the Pirates movies as well. Um, mm -hmm. And a few guys, like one or two, but like mm -hmm. 50 to like 150 women every day that are there for Johnny Depp. How does that play, Mark? I mean, you've made a career out of representing celebrities in trouble. And uh, she's a star, but she's not the kind of star he is. Well, the, that's why I say jury selection is everything in a case like this, because you want, you're looking for a constituency. And as Vinny has described it, that's exactly what I would have expected his constituency is, maybe even a higher, uh, on the uh, upper band of the age. But that is, that's kind of where they are team depth. Uh, the problem is that if Vinny's description um, and I have every reason to believe it's completely accurate. If it's younger males, um, that you know that is not his demographic. And mm. you know, you may have—I don't know, Vinny—did they ask on the questionnaire whether any of these people were fans or had seen the pirates or anything of that nature? Do you know? And uh, I would want to know those kinds of things because you can be the most popular person in a courtroom with your fans but remember there's only one audience or demographic that you're appealing to and that's the jury although i would say um it would be interesting to me i don't know Vinny, did you observe with this judge how does the judge treat them and what's her interplay with the various lawyers on each side uh, the judge has been amazing by the way you know the type of judge that calls balls and strikes is decisive does it quickly doesn't you know blow anything out of proportion and when, a lot of hearsay objections both sides are all all over it right so uh if she has to bring people to the bench she'll bring them to the bench but 
I didn't get the sense one way or the other that either side was the favorite of this judge. I mean, it's the, it's the perfect judge for a case like this. She does, however, she has a, a big concern about not turning this into a circus, has very specific rules um, about what happens in the courtroom. And sometimes when that when that courtroom gallery reacts to Johnny Depp, she has to remind them uh, once in a while. Hasn't happened a lot, but happened a couple of times. But she's done a great job keeping order. The one thing, though, um, that she didn't allow us to see was was the jury selection process. So mm. uh, that part was not uh, open. But the judge has been amazing because the, the state of Virginia, Court TV, we've never done a trial in the state of Virginia before. Because I was, their, wondering, I was wondering rules. about that. How yeah. did you? Yeah, because they have some of the most restrictive rules of any of these states. So I was wondering about that. I was also wondering whether you think the lawyer for Amber Heard, who's been pilloried on the Internet, the, the deserved or not deserved? She's doing her job. What happens is people, you know, the people take sides. You know, it happened in the Jody Arias case. It happened in the Casey Anthony trial. Um, they take sides and then they. They can't separate it. Like, like it's sometimes it's hard to separate Scott Peterson from Mark Garagos, although they're completely different people who've led different lives, uh, completely different lives. But that's that's the dynamic that happens, and I think that's what's happening online. The thing is, we're in a world now that you know between TikTok and and Instagram and Facebook and Twitter, there's so many places. It's so overwhelming for Johnny Depp that I think that's why Amber Heard is is concerned right now, why she hired a new PR team, because the fans of Johnny Depp are there's many more of them. And right now we're in Johnny Depp's case and and they're cutting those little pieces of video and sound. Well, I'll give you one over again. I'll give you one example that I thought was a little unfair directed at her lawyer, whose name I don't know, one of her lawyers. He had he had asked the question of Depp and Depp had started to go on a narrative and then he objected and he didn't use the right uh, evidentiary objection. I mean, he should have moved to strike non-responsive, but he was, he was savaged on social media, objecting to his own question. So, <laughs> yeah. but he was basically what he was trying to articulate is objection, non-responsive. Is a, yeah. It's devolved into a narrative, but boy, that, yeah. that evidentiary distinction was lost in the great abyss that is the internet. Back no, in the day, when you, when you take somebody's deposition, you, the rules of evidence, they don't really apply. Like you can pretty much ask mostly what you want. And the person's just supposed to say objection to form, object to the form of the question. But pretty much you're allowed to ask what you want and get a bunch of info information. And whether it's admissible at trial is a different question for later. But uh, there was this old grizzled uh, partner at Jones Day where I practice law. And he was great. I love this guy. He just took, he just didn't suffer fools. And he, he'd be taking a deposition and, um, He'd say the other the other lawyer, instead of saying object to form, would say um, objection, hearsay, move to strike. It's like, OK, you don't move to strike in a deposition. Anyway, this old grizzled lawyer, Jones Day, would go overruled, motion denied. <laughs> <He'd rule him. laughs> that is so laughed. good. It was so fun. But I miss the legal war stories. OK, wait, here's a question for you. Back to let's go back to the legal matter, because I have two brilliant legal mi- minds here that I want to probe, because if she if what she said in The Washington Post op ed is true, I am an abuse victim. And she clearly means at the hands of Johnny Depp. It is true, but it is not the full story. If the jury gets to the place of believing you are also an abuser, 
The question is whether that can amount legally to defamation because there is something that's known as liable by omission, liable by omission. Now, wait, while you ponder that, I'm going to play the soundbite of Laurel Anderson, who was their marriage counselor. She's apparently been a counselor for 40 years. They both came in when they were still married. She was called as a Johnny Depp witness, and she seemed to say they both abused each other. Um, here's a soundbite of Laurel Anderson. This is SOT 24. He had had been well controlled, I think, for almost, I don't know, 20, 30 years. And uh, both were victims of abuse in their homes. But I thought he had been well controlled for decades. And then with Ms. Ms. Hurd, he was triggered and um, they engaged in what I saw as mutual abuse. Sometimes I'm not, I know she led on more than one occasion and started it to keep him with her because abandonment and having him leave was her worst nightmare. Okay. So if the jury believes her mutual abuse, can he win? Because Amber Heard's op-ed was misleading in that it certainly did not tell the whole story and created a false impression of the relationship. Well, I think what you're going to see is in most civil cases, this is civil, you're fighting over other people's money. The, um, the, what the judge will do is give a verdict form that will have questions and they'll go down the verdict form and the jury will have to answer the questions. And there are certain points where if you answer yes or you answer no, that's it. It stops their deliberations and the verdict is is done. So this is one of the reasons I was asking Vinny and you anticipated it uh, about the judge is the crucial aspect of this case. Uh, you know, summation is great, but summation is basically just giving your uh, arguments to the people you think are with you so that they're effective when they're in the jury room. But clearly what's going to happen is the jurors are going to sit down and they're going to have to figure out at certain points the answers to those questions. And one of the questions, Megan, you're spot on here, it may be uh, if you find that she was an abuser, but he was as well, blah, blah, blah. Those could conceivably be in the uh, final jury instructions that the jurors get. Hmm. I wonder, because typically, and it's been a while since I've looked at this, but typically when you have a libel by omission claim, it's because um, like the, the thing that you omitted would have completely changed the meaning of the thing that you said. Um, and so like this doesn't completely change the meaning like she's she, if the jury believes he abused her, then the statement is technically correct that she was also a shitty person doesn't necessarily it's context that's interesting and may ethically change your view of both parties. But I don't know that it's going to it's going to make what she said defamatory in a way that's illegal, you know, that's unlawful such that he could recover anyway from an, from a legal perspective. I find that I find that whole thing interesting. Um, the other thing is, Vinny, the so far, all the cops, all the witnesses, they're saying they saw nothing on her. Now, she's going to have friends who are going to come and say, I saw her bruises. I saw this. I saw, but those are her friends. Now, the cops and sort of the independent witnesses are saying, I, I mean, I guess his household staff is more aligned with him, right? Like the maid in the Bahamas and his security guards. He pays their salary. But the cops who showed up on the day she, again, he allegedly whipped his phone as hard as possible at her face, said, 
I saw nothing. I saw a woman who was crying. That's all I saw. So how do the, does the jury figure out who to, who to believe, her friends versus cops and so on? I think this is, is crucial. We focused a lot on this on, on my show, the independent witnesses, witnesses who have you know no known bias going into, into all of this. What did they see? What did they observe? And if you've got the officers who are responding and you had two sets of responding officers don't see any injuries, and this was the incident, this was the incident that was the subject of her going to get a restraining order against Johnny Depp, right? This was this was the incident with which she took the whole thing public, right? As soon as she went down to the courthouse and filed all this stuff, this is when it became a public matter. And if you had the responding officers didn't see anything, but days later, there were marks on her face, then the question is, well, how did the marks get there? Were they there that night? No one saw them. Did she self-inflict these marks? Well, who would do that? Maybe someone with a borderline personality disorder might do that. I don't know. That may be the argument, but that's going to be really crucial, I think, to all of this is the, the independent witnesses. And then there has to be an explanation uh, from the other side that is inconsistent with the independent witnesses. And right now, that's Amber Heard has to come up with that explanation. Mm. All right. So um, we don't know what's going to happen, but we learned new information about the jury, which gives me some pause too, Mark. That, that was a, a fascinating observation. Young men Spring break. That's what's going to stick in my head. I, mean, right, get right. this verdict. I love the spring break uh, <laughs> right. characterization of it. <laughs> oh. Boy, uh, jurors gone wild. <laughs> Could be good for her, right? They're thinking girls right. gone wild. What's the matter? It's fine. Thank He's you. the jerk. Uh, uh -huh. Mark, Vinny, thank you guys both so much. We'll be thank watching you. this week. Megan. Bye, Vinny. Uh, okay, don't go away because uh, up next, we're going to talk about the death of Naomi Judd. I have a couple things I want to say on. On this episode of Plant Killers, we'll explore one nation's most notorious fruit and vegetable killer, bad dirt. What makes bad dirt so bad? The answer, the ingredients. But fear not, true crime enthusiasts. This story has a happy ending. New miracle Grow organic raised bed in garden soil. It's made with quality organic ingredients from upcycled green waste like compost and aged bark. Unlike the other guys who can't say the same. Looks like bad dirt's murdering days are over. Thanks to miracle Grow. Join us next time on Plant Killers. Oh, some terribly sad news breaking over the weekend. Country music legend Naomi Judd died just a day before her induction into the Country Music Hall of Fame. Her heartbroken daughters say she died of mental illness. The reports are she died by suicide. A few years ago, I had her on my show at NBC, and we talked about her really tough struggle with depression. I knew that all during my life, there were periods where I would get so sad and everybody in the family, my neighbors and friends would say, you're so empathic. You care so much about other people. You pick up their stuff. And I do. And my psychologist, Ted Klontz, said that I'm one of the most compassionate, empathic people that he's ever worked with. So I just attribute it to that. But when I came home off the tour, I went into this deep, dark, absolutely terrifying hole, and I couldn't get out. I, was, I spent two years on my couch. Oh, she was such a doll and she was so open in her book about those struggles, which is a big risk for a public figure to talk that openly about their struggles. And she's been studying whether there was um, a link, you know, whether it was, had a genetic link. And she believed strongly that it did. Uh, but she was doing well then, you know, so I was so, so sad to hear uh, that that's that she died and that 
she died by suicide and then it was a battle ultimately she did not prevail in. Um, thoughts to her entire family today. Uh, of course, her daughter and she, huge, huge stars. They scored 14 number one songs, five Grammy Awards in a career spanning nearly three decades. And her other daughter, um, Ashley, is super famous in her own right as an actress and as one of the people who helped bring down Harvey Weinstein, a truly bad actor. Uh, listen, I want to tell you that there's the suicide hotline is there for anyone struggling. It's 1-800-273-8255. Please don't suffer alone. Tomorrow, we're doing our first live in-person interview when former Attorney General Bill Barr will join me. It's going to be amazing. Hope you'll tune in. Thanks for listening to The Megyn Kelly Show. No BS, no agenda, and no fear. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today.